What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Jordan Cruz back here, and I've got another bonus episode for you guys. This one coming from another source, actually, as I was lucky enough and blessed enough to be featured as a guest over on the West Virginia Mountaineers Voice of College Football YouTube channel, which you guys that are WVU fans, obviously, if you're listening to this episode, certainly need to head over there and subscribe to that YouTube channel if you haven't already. Not only do they do weekly live streams every Friday night, like the one that I was guest it on in the audio that you're going to hear coming up, but also Dale the Wolfman Wolfley does great live shows throughout the weekdays, multiple of those, and if you haven't been checking those out, you've really been missing out, and you need to tune into those, some really great content coming from the Wolfman now doing his own show over on the West Virginia Mountaineers Voice of College Football channel, so be sure to hop over there, give them a subscription on YouTube, and I really hope you guys enjoy this audio from my appearance over on that channel as me and the great Joey Foster go through and break down the West Virginia offense kind of position by position and talk about a few games on the schedule towards the tail end of the episode there as well. So with no further ado, I'll let you guys enjoy this audio coming from the June 2nd live stream there on the West Virginia Mountaineers Voice of College Football YouTube channel. Enjoy. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another West Virginia football at the Voice of College Football. I'm Joey Foster. I'm going to be your host tonight. Uh, Mark is uh, like doing a little mini vacation out of town for uh, a few days. Still going to be producing videos, still going to be doing some lives, but he wasn't able to make it tonight. But that's okay. I've got a great guest coming in for you guys. And um, I think most of you know who know who, who he is. And that is Jordan Cruz from... Country Roads Podcast, webcast, YouTube channel. Jordan, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good, Joey. Appreciate you having me on here. Excited to talk about some uh, WVU with uh, Mountaineer Nation. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you being here. Right, before we get started, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you at and, and and things like that so that we can get that out the way. And I want people to know exactly where to find you. Appreciate that, Joey. Yeah, definitely. Uh, check us out on YouTube, Country Roads Webcast, and we're on all podcast platforms as well, where we, re- we release uh, long-form audio podcast episodes, usually weekly, especially during the football and basketball seasons. Of course, here through the offseason, they're a little bit more bi-weekly and sometimes even monthly, but we'll get to them as much as we possibly can there on the audio side. But in the meantime, definitely check us out on YouTube, putting out WVU football roster updates, transfer portal updates, etc. Find us there, Country Roads Webcast on YouTube and on all podcast platforms. If you're a West Virginia fan, definitely be sure and subscribe. Uh, Dropped a video earlier today talking about uh, the upcoming night games for this upcoming season. Happy to see those return for the 2023 season. I think it's uh, long overdue. And then coming this week, we're going to be releasing a new episode of the Country Roads Webcast uh, podcast there. And we're actually going to have a great interview that I think a lot of Mountaineer Nation will like. Uh, don't want to give it away. Of course, we'll uh, surprise you guys with exactly who it is, but I will say it is a, a former great West Virginia running back that I'm sure you all are familiar with, and that's going to be coming out uh, hopefully next Thursday. So be on the lookout for that there. If you aren't subscribed on YouTube, subscribe there, and uh, check us out on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. You can find us there. Just search Country Roads Webcast. Absolutely, Jordan. Thanks so much. I'll let you know we – we, we, we've got our resident Pitt fan with us, Talkers Pitt. Love you, Talkers Pitt. Glad you're here. And you're going to find out tonight 
how West Virginia has has all this talent that Pitt doesn't have, and how how we're going to beat you uh, this year in Morgantown like a drum. I love it. Anyway, so I wanted to break down a little bit tonight. So in the past, the past few weeks, we've been breaking down a little bit, but not really breaking it down by position and and looking at a little bit of depth and, and things. Let's start off with some special teams. Let's say the ball kicks off. Who's going? Who are we going to have back uh, to field those field those kickoffs and stuff? Who are who are our back guys to field those kickoffs? I think there's a lot of interesting names that come up when you're talking kickoff returner. I think Jeremiah Aaron is the first one that pops up for me. He handled it a little bit last year. I think that he's going to be in the mix again this year. And then you got other guys that could uh, funk, uh, get in there as well. You got Davis Mallinger, who's just switched over from. Defensive back to wide receiver, got great speed. Got to watch out for him there as well to factor in. And then, of course, a couple of the running backs have been working there. I think Jalen Anderson's gotten work there, and Justin Johnson has in the past. So I think all those are names to watch out for. But for me, if I'm talking kick returner, I think the number one kick returner for the Mountaineers this year, the starter back there will be Deshaun Polk, the transfer that we got in from Kent State. I think that he's going to be a big factor there. Um, they brought him in as a wide receiver, of course, and I think he'll get his reps there in the slot there at what the wide receiver position. But the main reason they bought, brought him in is his kick return abilities. He's going to really help the Mountaineers on special teams, an area where they've really been lackluster is in their kick return game. So talking special teams return, man, I think Deshaun Polk's one you certainly got to bring up there right off the top. Punt returner, I think that's a bit more up for grabs, but I think he's got a chance to factor in there, as do some of the other names I mentioned, Jeremiah Aaron, uh, Davis Mallinger, et cetera. Right. Yeah, good deal. Now, let's go over to um, um, the offense here a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about offense. Now, we all know that we got Garrett Green, Nico Marchio, a quarterback, and there's a quarterback battle going on. My sources are telling me Nico has been promised the positions, getting the starting job. But Garrett Green looked better in the spring game, I thought. Right. Last year, though, Nico looked good in the spring game. He didn't look, he didn't fare so well this year. Uh, and another thing, too, how safe were the plays they were giving Garrett compared to, to Nico in the spring game as well? And uh, so there's a lot of variables that go into that. And only coaching staff knows what defense was called versus what offensive play was called, you know, to see how they how they measured up. But what did you see out of the spring game at quarterback and who do you think gets the starting nod? All right, I think I'd be remiss if I, you know, I, I agree with most people that, you know, watched it with their own eyes. Certainly in the spring game, Garrett Green stood out the most, looked like he had the best performance to me. And the thing that I've been saying on our channel and on podcast is that when he was out there on the field, I was there. I, I went up for the spring game and watched it there in person. When Garrett Green was on the field with the offense, it just felt the energy was more palatable. It was different. He had a bit of an it factor to his game a little bit. Just the things that we've seen from him in the past kind of shined through. And that's not a not trying to harp on Nico or anything. I think Nico certainly has an it factor to him as well and has great potential. And, of course, that's just one game, and I can't put too much into a spring game. We've seen spring game standouts in the past that really have always performed well in the spring game and then come the fall, don't shine. So I think this quarterback competition is long from over. And as you said, Joey, I've heard previous reports as well that Nico was the favorite. And then later in the spring, I was hearing more things about Garrett, and I think those things about Garrett shine through in the spring game. And I think if you're asking me who's ahead right now, it's Garrett Green. But certainly those are going to be your two main factors at quarterback, the only two experienced somewhat players that you have scholarship-wise, and you have Sean Boyle, a true freshman, as your only other scholarship quarterback on the roster with the rest being uh, preferred walk-ons. So I think a 
course, it's a competition between those two, but don't expect to hear a starter announced until late in fall camp. I think you want to keep both those guys involved. You don't want to risk a transfer. So whether Garrett's ahead or not, I think you'll this competition is going to lag on until the fall. And, you know, there's been reports, like you said, of Nico being the guy. And if there's been promises made to Nico, then that could be an issue down the line if it does end up being Garrett. You know, that's something we need to think about as well. But I think right now Garrett Green appears to be a little bit ahead to me. Maybe that's his experience, but it's long from over. And I'm trying not to put too much stock into the spring game because I think also Nico, a lot of the time in that spring game, was working with the reserve offensive line as well. That's something I've heard people talk about, and I think it's a great thing to point out as well as it seemed like uh, Garrett Green got better pass protection, and uh, Neil Brown himself even pointed that out following the spring game. So while it appears Garrett Green's ahead right now, I don't think the competition's quite over yet. Nico, we know, was a very highly regarded recruit, you know, one of the highest in West Virginia history at the quarterback position. So I think certainly he's going to have his say in this competition before it's all said and done when we get to the first game against Penn State. And I'm excited to see how it turns out because personally, I think either way, I'm excited to see Garrett Green or Nico Markiel helming the West Virginia offense in 2023 with their dual threat capabilities and the way this offense is going to incorporate a little bit more of the QB run game, read option, and RPO uh, factors. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, Garrett might have a little bit better vision at running uh, when he's running the ball. I think Garrett has a little bit more vision. But I think Nico's got better vision down the field looking for an open receiver. So I think that's going to be the odds you have to weigh weigh against, you know. So, but now that being said, I don't know if we even get a, a starter named before the day of the day of kickoff against Penn State. Yeah, not, I'm thinking it's not. going to be game week sometime, probably. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, so let's talk about the guys that are protecting them, the guys up front. You know, I mean, we all know why Milam, you know, uh, big time recruit right here from the state of West Virginia. Absolutely. Um, you know, first first year year or two, he's he's gotten run over a little bit, but he's been young, building up that strength, working all offseason, looks a little bit stronger, looks a little bit healthier. Who are you, what are you liking about our offensive line? Because some people say it's the best in the Big 12. Some people are saying it could be one of the best in the country. I don't agree with that. But it, it, possibly in the Big 12, there might be a chance. Yeah, I think that it definitely has a chance to be up there in the conference. I don't know about nationally, but the one thing that I've been saying that for me, this West Virginia offensive line looks like it'll be the best at West Virginia in quite some time, and that's the best that we can hope for, right? And I think, to me, it's probably going to be the best at West Virginia since probably 2016 when you had Ron Crook, Hellman, a great West Virginia offensive line that you utilized a lot of power plays, counter plays, et cetera, and uh, a run-heavy or more run-centric type offense that year, and that was all also West Virginia's only 10-win season in the Big 12, of course. And I think that offensive line and Ron Crook were a big reason. They utilized the quarterback run game that year. And I think that's one thing I've been comparing this year's offense to is that 2016 offense. I think you're going to see some of those elements in this year's offense um, in the read option game, quarterback run, the power plays, counter plays, etc. And then, of course, you're going to factor in more RPO that's a factor in today's game. But as far as the offensive line, I think – As Mountaineer fans, what's going to stand out the most to us is three in-state players as starters along that offensive line, just as they were last season, all three returning, talking about Wyatt Milam at left tackle, Zach Frazier at center, 
and Doug Nestor going to be moving out to right tackle this season, which is where they ultimately wanted to use him last season. He started there the first game of the season against Pitt, but then the due to the injury to Jordan White in that game, had to slide back into right guard. But I think this year, the offensive line, what excites me the most is last year, some of the offensive line strengths, of course, were in the run blocking game, but they left a little bit to be desired at times in pass protection. And I think some of that was due to the tackle play, both Wyatt Milam being young at the left tackle spot, and then the right tackle not being solidified yet because you really wanted Doug Nestor there, but you didn't get to use him. You had to play Jaquay Hubbard and Brandon Yates, et cetera, there at that position. And I think this year throughout the offseason, they've really solidified those tackle positions. I love Wyatt Milam at the left tackle spot. I think he's got great potential. And then Doug Nestor coming back this season for the Mountaineers was big. He's probably one of the most NFL-ready Mountaineers on the roster there. So I think they've got the tackle position solidified with Nestor and Milam. And, you know, when you talk about Milam, that's a guy that was a freshman All-American a couple of years ago. And then this past year, West Virginia added to that list of freshman All-Americans. You go back two years ago, Zach Frazier, who's the starting center of this West Virginia offensive line, was a freshman All-American last year. I mean, year before last, excuse me, you had Wyatt Milam as a freshman All-American. And then this past year, Thomas Remick gets a freshman All-American honor. So three straight freshman All-Americans for West Virginia on that offensive line as well. And if you're looking at, for me, the starters across the offensive line, you're going Wyatt Milam, who's one of those former freshman All-American at left tackle. Then at left guard, you're going Thomas Remick, who is the one I most recently mentioned, going to be a sophomore this upcoming season, really coming into his own late last season when he was forced into that role following the retirement of James Gemitter. And then at the center position, of course, Zach Frazier, who right there, of course, as I said, a couple years ago was a freshman All-American of his own and now is ready to be one of the best centers, not only in the Big 12, but probably nationally. We've seen him bring home multiple All-American honors already this preseason. And then at the right guard position, you're looking at a battle between Jaquay Hubbard and Brandon Yates. I think Hubbard's probably a little bit ahead there, but both those guys certainly have the experience. And then, of course, right tackle Doug Nestor and I think Nick Malone, a Morgantown native, has really come into his own since earning a scholarship as preferred walk-on. And he is a reserve player that can probably be counted on there. I think you're going about eight deep on that offensive line. Malone's a reserve player you're going to count on. Brandon Yates, who I just mentioned as well. And then I think you're looking at guys like Sully White Weedman at left guard will be a guy that's counted on them among the interior, whether it's left guard or right guard. And then at center, they've been working Charlie Katarinchik and Landon Livingston. But throughout the spring, Brandon Yates took rep there. So I think um, for all intensive purposes, um, Brandon Yates will probably be the Zach backup to Zach Frazier if anything was to happen to Zach Frazier, just because they got him worked there while they rested Zach Frazier throughout the spring. But those, to me, are kind of the players. Uh, beyond that, you're going to have some freshmen that are coming in the mix. Johnny Williams really uh, came in and enrolled early and looked good in the spring, and he's got great size for a freshman at 6'8", 320 pounds. And Mo Hamilton is a redshirt freshman, is going to be working at the interior as well. Also great size with him as well, 6'6", and 300-plus. And then I mentioned Landon Livingston briefly. So those are kind of the names to me at the offensive line throughout the reserve. But I think the starting five I'm really excited about. It's just do you have the depth uh, throughout the season if anything was to come up for that to last? I think ideally they would have liked to add one more interior offensive lineman from the transfer portal. I know they had some targets, but ultimately they didn't choose the Mountaineers. But I think that starting five across the board, going left tackle over to right tackle with Wyatt Milam, Thomas Remick, Zach Frazier, Jaquay Hubbard, and Doug Nestor is really solid for the Mountaineers and should be the best, in my opinion, in quite a few years.
Yep, good deal. That sounds that sounds great. Now, um, I want to talk about the running backs too, but before we get to them, there's there might be another player up there that's doing some blocking too at times, especially for running backs and even blocking for the quarterback to drop back and throw throw a ball, and that's that tight end. So Neil Brown seems like he's wanting to go back to a nice tight end set. I, I like a tight end in, in the lineup. How do you feel about our tight ends we have? Yeah, I think tight end has really been a focus of this Neil Brown regime. Since they came into Morgantown, you've seen them really put a precedence on that and bringing players in to contribute in that position, specifically in the passing game. And if you want evidence of that, look no further than them adding Cole Taylor in the transfer portal from LSU this offseason. He really stood out in the spring. He made you know multiple one-handed catches, according to reports. You even saw one of them that the social media team from WVU released there throughout the spring, him grabbing one. And then in the spring game, we saw him do it with our own eyes, right? Make a one-handed grab on an RPO seam route and looked really good doing so. I think he's certainly going to be a great pass-catching option and one of the better ones that the Mountaineers have had in the at the tight end position in quite some time with his large frame. He can play attached. He can split out into the slot. We saw him line up there at times. Six foot seven, 250 pounds plus. So really excited to see what he can do in his final season coming over from LSU. And then I think Traylon Davis is one that we've seen really factor in, in the past for the Mountaineers. He's a great blocker. He's really going to do some good things in the run game. Hoping to see him develop that pass catching side a little bit. We saw Will Dixon last year reclassify and come in early. He was supposed to be a member of this coming recruiting class, but reclassified, came in early. Now he's going to be a redshirt freshman this upcoming season. I think he ultimately is kind of the third string tight end there. And then beyond that, you have another couple young guys in TJ Johnson and Victor Wickstrom, who is one of the more international players for the Mountaineers, who has some speed and some athleticism. I wouldn't be surprised to see either one of those two factor in down the road. TJ Johnson, a legacy player, son of Torrey Johnson, uh, running back during the early Rich Rod era there at West Virginia, came in as a wide receiver kind of tight end hybrid. I think they're hoping to mold him to a tight end in the future. So I think all of those are great options for the Mountaineers, not only uh, catching the football, but particularly they're going to help in the run game as well, specifically when you look at a guy like Traylon Davis. But then in addition to that, West Virginia is kind of factoring in the fullback a little bit this year, um, albeit there's not really a scholarship one there necessarily on the roster. We've got Noah Braham who's going to come in in the summer and in fall camp, excuse me, and going to uh, factor in there. He's kind of listed as an athlete. He could be more of a tight end slash fullback hybrid. But they do have two players on the roster currently listed as fullbacks. One of those was here last year as a preferred walk-on in Connor McBee. He's actually got some carries in the spring game there. If you watch that late in the game, he got some carries there, and he can factor in as a fullback. And then the Mountaineers brought in a transfer as a preferred walk-on that was an FCS All-American at the fullback position coming from Towson and Luke Hamilton. And I think West Virginia probably will use him in a certain role this season. I think he's going to be great uh, blocking for the Mountaineers, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him and Traylon Davis leading some of these good Mountaineer backs, falling behind the offensive line that we just talked about as well in some run play situation so West Virginia looks like they may be incorporating the fullback position which is something we haven't seen listed on the roster during the Neil Brown era with some of those preferred walk-ons and then maybe Noah Braham who is a scholarship player coming in who could be a tight end or a fullback but looking at the tight end specifically I think you've got to be very excited about Cole Taylor coming over from LSU I think he's going to give the Mountaineers a great pass catching option which is something that they really need uh, with this offense I, I agree Talking to uh, Jordan Cruz from Country Roads Webcast. You can sub him up on YouTube, but you also can find his podcast, Country Road Podcast, on um, just about every uh, streaming platform out there, isn't it? It's 
I know it's on I know it's on Apple and, and Spotify and iHeart. So yeah, you can find him just about on any of them. All right, so now that brings us to the running backs. Now, in running back situation, we're deep. We're still deep. We lost Tony Mathis. That's a tough loss. And it's even tougher knowing that we lost him to Houston and going to have to face him down in Houston this year. But our running back room is really solid. Uh, C.J. Donaldson is a man. I mean, we know this. He, he's a beast and he's a man. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for this year to see C.J. Donaldson. I've not been this excited about a running back in a long time. I really am really excited about it. But tell us about our depth, what you're seeing. Can this offensive line open up some holes for these guys? And, um, you know, we end up with a couple of thousand-yard rushers because I think we've got the talent back there to do that. Listen, Joey, I, I wouldn't disagree with you there. I think that there's some really great running backs in this West Virginia roster. You know, you lose Tony Mathis, who has been a former starter in the past, and I think that that just kind of showcases how deep this running back room is, the fact that a former starter kind of was the de facto odd man out, and I think that he'll do a great job at Houston, and I hate that he's going in conference, as you said, and we'll have to face him. But as far as the West Virginia running back room is concerned, of course, C.J. Donaldson is the name that really is on the four front of the minds of Mountaineer Nation after his impressive season last year as a true freshman really just doing some awesome things as we thought he was going to come in as a tight end slash you know wide receiver kind of hybrid player but they ultimately move him into running back and makes a splash in that first game against Pitt seven carries 125 yards and then goes on to have a really successful true freshman season despite battling some injuries. But I think along with that, you're going to get a really impressive version of him this upcoming season that I think has a great chance to be one of the best backs in the Big 12, if not nationally, because of the fact that he had never played running back before last season, right? A lot of people forget that he came as a, you know, like I said, tight end wide receiver hybrid, playing wide receiver in high school, thought he was going to play tight end for the Mountaineers, had never played running back ever throughout his entire football career. And that's what's even more impressive about what he did last season. But I think having an entire offseason to train as a running back is only going to benefit him. And, you know, as much as we hated to see him suffer that injury last season, you've heard, you know, through interviews of his own from Country Roads Trust and such that he's gave throughout the offseason that those injuries really he learned a lot from them of how to, you know, go about playing the running back position and hopefully he's going to be able to stay healthy this season because that's the only thing that we're really concerned about with his playing style kind of being a strong battering ram you know despite being deceptively fast he's a you know six foot two 240 pound beast back there at the running back position so certainly he's probably going to be the number one featured guy but to me the guy that I've been you know talking about a ton that I've been trying to get over on people on the country roads webcast is Jalen Anderson uh, excuse me it's my uh dog barks in the background I don't know if my mic's picking that up or not but uh Jalen Anderson is a guy that's a redshirt sophomore coming up this upcoming season for the Mountaineers. Uh, came in late during his true freshman season. Didn't get on campus till late September, maybe even early October. So didn't really factor in too much as a true freshman. Ended up having a redshirt. But late last season, we really saw him burst onto the scene in that game against Oklahoma State. 250-plus yard touchdown runs. And he has just really exceptional vision in the backfield. You've heard compliments of that throughout the offseason. I know recently in a live stream over, 
over on the Country Roads Webcast YouTube channel. I shared a clip from Chad Scott from a Sportsline episode where he was asked about the one player that he thought was really standout and could be a breakout this season that people aren't talking about enough. And with no hesitation, he mentioned Jalen Anderson, mentioned his vision, complimented that, and just how much of an improvement he has made from last year to this year already. So to me, I think C.J. Donaldson and Jalen Anderson are going to be featured prominently in the WVU backfield. I think you're going to see a lot of two-back sets. And I think the reason that that is going to be the case is because both of those guys, as I mentioned earlier with C.J. Donaldson, was a wide receiver in high school, so we know of his pass-catching abilities. But Jalen Anderson as well, another thing that Chad Scott mentioned in that interview was that he could have almost been listed as an athlete recruit instead of a running back because of how much he was split out at receiver in his time at high school there in Ohio. I believe he comes from Perry, Ohio. But he's another guy, kind of similar build to C.J. Donaldson, but I would argue more fast and even better vision, but can catch the ball just as well and split out as well. So you could come out with a two-back set with Donaldson and Anderson kind of as your base to start the drive and then, you know, get a couple plays under your belt, go no huddle, and you could split either one or both of those out and bring in either one of your two backups, uh, Justin Johnson, Jaheim White, who we already have seen on campus. We know of Justin Johnson, seen him in the past, very talented player. I think he has some really highlight moments already throughout his career and coming into his junior year. Hopefully you really see even more from him. But then you talk about two true freshmen that could factor into the mix as well. Jaheim White, who we saw in the spring, had the standout performance among the West Virginia running backs in the spring game, actually led the team in rushing. And that's a guy that I've been talking about since signing day back in early December when I was watching the signing day show there that WVU Sports puts out, and Jed Drenning compared Jaheim White to Steve Slayton. So that's high praise, but coming from a guy like Jed Drenning, you know, he's not going to just put that on anyone. You know, Jed is really um, methodical about his compliments and the things that he gives. So when he said that, my ears perked up, and I've been kind of watching Jaheim White ever since. And throughout the spring, he stood out in some scrimmages, and then there in the spring game we saw him kind of make the most plays at the running back position, really had the most explosive runs. And I think he's going to bring something to the West Virginia running back position we haven't had since the days of those guys, you know, Noel Devine, Steve Slayton, et cetera, those home run hitters, those explosive type players at that position. And then we still have DJ Oliver that we're going to add to the mix here in the coming weeks before fall camp. That's a bigger body kind of along the lines of Jalen Anderson and CJ Donaldson but he's actually probably faster than both of those guys. He's a huge body that has, you know, four, 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 five speed. So I think West Virginia super deep at the running back position and people that are saying that the run will be the focus of this offense probably aren't wrong. I think it'll still be close to 50, 50, but these running backs are going to be involved and not only are they going to be involved getting handoffs, but they're going to be involved in the passing game, especially when you look at guys like CJ Donaldson and Jalen Anderson. So I'm super excited for this deep West Virginia running back room that's going to be the best in quite some time at WVU. Good stuff. Now, let me ask you uh, this. So, we talk about the running backs being really deep, you know, but obviously you're going to end up in third and five. You're going to end up in third and six at some point. So, um, cross back, play action, play action pass, looking for an open receiver. Who is his go-to guy on a, on a third and five, third and six out there at receiver? And then also, Who's the uh, long-distance guy on this team? Who do you see being the long-distance receiver to just take the ball to the house, running 30 yards down the field and taking the ball to the house? Who, what, what, who are your what, – what, what receivers should – let me put it this way. 
what receivers should we be looking at and what can we expect from those receivers? Short yardage passes, long passes. Who are our breakout guys there? Awesome, Joe. Yeah, I got you. I think that uh, at the wide receiver position, if you're talking conversion down situations, possession guys, then kind of move the markers for you, whether it be in the red zone or those third down, you know, short yardage uh, to go situations, whether it be on third or fourth down, those conversion downs where you really need to make a play, right? And, you know, I talked earlier about comparing this 2023 offense. I think it's going to resemble that 2016 offense, right? And that 2016 offense, I talked about that offensive line. It was really strong. They had a great rushing attack. Wendell Smallwood led the Big 12 in rushing that year. Skylar Howard had a great rushing year of his own, over 500 yards rushing, but he also added over 3,000 yards passing, and I think that's because the run game was such a threat, so you've got to hope that if with the run game being a threat this year for West Virginia, that they're able to have those guys to make plays in the passing game, and when you look at that 2016 offense, they really made a lot of hay with play action, deep shots once they got their safeties to suck in with a deep threat like Shelton Gibson and on this year's offense I think that they're looking to have some players that can potentially have that same type of role that Shelton Gibson had that season right I think you're looking at Davis Mallinger who I mentioned a little bit earlier when we were talking about special teams he's going to be a redshirt sophomore for the Mountaineers this upcoming season he was an athlete recruit super fast we knew that coming in played wide receiver and you know defensive back a little bit in high school the Mountaineers tried him at the safety position mixed results but glad to see them trying to get him over on the offensive side where you can use one of the fastest players on the team he's a potential there that could be that guy to fill that deep threat role and then recently the Mountaineers just brought in transfer they stole from Colorado had previously been committed there EJ Horton I think that's another guy they're looking at to potentially be a deep threat a speed guy junior wide receiver transferring over from Marshall so staying in state still playing for the Mountaineers and then a couple of guys that um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier when we were talking special teams as well, Jeremiah Aaron. I think when you look at those JUCO guys, when they move into their second season, that's when they really sometimes break out. So hopefully Jeremiah Aaron's able to do that. I got high hopes for him. And then Deshaun Polk, who I talked about, is going to be probably the kick returner for the Mountaineers. He's another speed guy that can maybe get deep on teams. But as far as moving the sticks on, you know, conversion downs, I think obviously the number one go-to wide receiver on this team in clutch situations is going to be Devin Carter. He transferred over from NC State. He had actually committed to Penn State, so the Mountaineers stole a commit from the team. Of course, they'll be facing to open the season, and there's a lot of interesting storylines for that game aside from the rivalry. West Virginia's got some Penn State transfers on the roster, and they've got some other guys they kind of stole in the portal from Penn State, and Devin Carter, of course, being the main one of those. Really great time at NC State, and even uh Part of last season, his quarterback was injured, so I think his numbers could have been even better. But he made the game-winning catch to beat Clemson when NC State beat Clemson. And throughout the spring, he enrolled early and is factored in as the number one wide receiver for the Mountaineers. I think he is the go-to option among that wide receiver core. I think you saw him make some plays in that spring game. I think you'll see more of that this season. Downfield, short yardage, I think he'll be kind of the go-to guy for the Mountaineers there on the outside. But I think you're still looking on the other side for some guys to battle for that position at the Z wide receiver position on the opposite side of him on the outside. I think Cortez Braham is a guy that has a good chance to factor in there. Like I said, those Juco players really do a great job in their second year. Braham going to be a senior this year. 
caught a touchdown in the spring game. I think he's got good potential. And then you brought in another uh, guy from a Division II level in Angelo State in Noah Massey, who's going to be a redshirt senior for the Mountaineers, and I think has really good size, something that West Virginia hasn't had at that wide receiver position in quite some time is a big body like Noah Massey. I don't know if he's going to play outside or inside yet. I've heard kind of mixed reports of both. But I think if you're looking at a guy that you can use as a rep, a weapon excuse me, in the red zone and on conversion downs, look no further than Noah Massey, the transfer in from Angelo State, six foot four and 230 plus pounds. So a great body for a wide receiver there. And then as far as guys that are on the roster returning, I think you're looking at a guy like Preston Fox. He catches everything, performer preferred walk-on, earned a scholarship, rightfully so, and now heading into his redshirt sophomore season. I think he's going to get some reps this upcoming year in the fall. I don't think he's going to factor in for the Mountaineers. And then, of course, Grayson Malashevich in the slot. And then Jarrell Williams, a redshirt freshman, redshirted last season, may try and earn some reps there as well. But those are the kind of the guys that are already on campus for the Mountaineers. But then looking to the future, um, uh, Rod, uh, excuse me, Rodney Gallagher, of course, is the name that's going to be on the minds of Mountaineer Nation yep. the most. One of the highest rated recruits in program history coming in. So certainly high expectations. I've tried to do a little bit on our channel to tamper those just slightly because it's just hard for players, especially at skill positions, to factor in heavily as true freshmen. You know, I've compared it to Tavon Austin. You know, he had a couple touchdowns as a true freshman, but his reps were minimal. But when he got in there, he did make a play, and you could see that the flashes that he was going to be a great player. And I think with Rodney Gallagher, you'll see that this upcoming season. But I certainly think that he's going to be in the competition to start in the slot for the Mountaineers at the Y receiver position or the H receiver position there inside. And then Traylon Ray, let's not forget about him, another four-star recruit coming in at the wide receiver position that will probably factor in as reserve at one of those outside spots. But of course, Gallagher who's, is who we're most looking forward to joining the Mountaineers in the next couple of weeks and seeing what he can do in fall camp. And whether he ends up as a starter or not, they're certainly going to have packages for Gallagher. And I'd be remiss if I didn't go back. We talked about special teams earlier, but that's another return man the Mountaineers could factor in. So a lot of new faces at the wide receiver position as you're essentially wholesale replacing your four starters from last season as you lost Prather and Reese Smith to the transfer portal and Bryce Ford Wheaton and Sam James to graduation. But I think, you know, through both JUCO players that, that were already on the roster and young players that were already on the roster, and then a pretty good job in the transfer portal that's going a bit unheralded there with the addition of Devin Carter primarily. And then, of course, we've talked about Ja'Shawn Polk, et cetera, and EJ Horton, Noah Massey. I think that those are unheralded additions. And then, of course, Cole Taylor, who we talked about we talked about the tight ends is going to factor in there but talking about wide receivers i think those are kind of the names to watch out for if you're looking uh around mountaineer nation good stuff talking to jordan cruz from country roads webcast right here on youtube uh be sure and set them up country roads webcast also he's got a podcast country country roads podcast find him on apple spotify um our radio any any platform <coughs> all right so i'm gonna have you back another week and we'll break down defense. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit tonight, though. I'm ready. Let's put you on the spot with the season here. West Virginia beats Penn State if? Ooh, that's tough. I think if uh, if you hold Penn State under 200 yards rushing, because I think they have really good running backs in Allen and um, uh, the other one, uh, Nick, uh, can't think of his last name right now, slipped my mind, but 
two really good running backs, uh, the feature one uh, there, and then, of course, uh, Katron Allen, the backup. Both those guys going to get uh, great reps there. I think that they're if you hold them under 200 yards rushing, that's obviously boding, boding well for you. I think Drew Rillar obviously has high expectations for them at the quarterback position. But, you know, he's going to be – he's young. So, hopefully, you know, first game under the lights, maybe there's some nerves there. I think for the Mountaineers, their primary objective is going to be hopefully stopping the run and then forcing turnovers. So, I think holding Penn State in our 200 yards rushing gives you a great chance. And if West Virginia rushes for over 100 yards of their own as a team, that also would provide a great opportunity. But I think West Virginia wins the game if they rush for over 100 yards holds Penn State to under 200 yards rushing and wins the turnover battle. Yeah, uh, so uh, this is a great comment here uh, from Brian Myers. He said, I'm torn here. I'd love to see W beat Penn State, but I don't want Ohio State's strength of schedule to take a hit. Here, here's how you got to look at that. If you're an Ohio State fan, you just look at it and say, my two favorite teams are Ohio State and whoever's playing Penn State. And West Virginia becomes your favorite team that day, and that, make, that solves that problem real easy. I would, I look, I, I know how that would be. I, I, because you know, it's we've been faced with it many times in the past where we're facing somebody that the end later on in our schedule that will help our strength the schedule and they go and lose to somebody they shouldn't have lost to, you know, and then that that hurts. But uh, so yeah, so that, that's good. All right, so much need to be Penn State if all that happens now. The next week is a, a cupcake week, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't have any problem there. Following week, Pitt. Pitt's coming to Morgantown, backyard brawl. First time in Morgantown in a long time. All eyes are going to be on Morgantown for that game. Everyone will be there, regardless of what happens at Penn State. I don't care if we oh, lose yeah. 75 to nothing at Penn State. That stadium's going to be packed for the backyard brawl. And and already announced, live television audience, uh, nationwide, 7.30, same thing as Penn State. So we got two primetime games, 7.30 kickoffs. Almost back-to-back weeks, you know, one one week apart, two weeks apart. So, West Virginia beats Pitt if. Here's what I think. I think West Virginia beats Pitt, period. I think I that agree. there's I think that there's just a lot of motivating factors going in there. I think a lot of Mountaineer Nation would argue we, sh- you know, could have, should have won last year. Fourth and one, bring up, you know, whatever you want with that game. But I think that there's just a lot on the line already, you know, not only from that, but then you heard what Pat Narduzzi come on this past week going on the radio, kind of calling out Mountaineer fans, et cetera. So the tensions are going to be high for that game, but a night game in Morgantown, that really just raises my confidence level a ton. And I think if there's a game that's circled on the schedule for WVU, it's certainly that one. I think they think they let one slip away last year, and I think that West Virginia is really looking at Pitt this year, who kind of you know lost a lot last season. They're going to be breaking in some new pieces. They got the transfer quarterback, uh, Jerkovic, from Boston College, looking like he's going to be their starter as well. So um, he's brand new. West Virginia's quarterbacks have at least been around for a year. I like that aspect, and I think the Mountaineers are just going to be hungry to, you know, even the series right now in this backyard brawl after last year. We know, you know, talk about the fourth and one, but then also the Mountaineers driving, the pass goes through the hands, you know, just an unfortunate turn of events for West Virginia. They were right there in that game, and I think this year they're going to come out hungry, and I'm honestly expecting them to beat Pitt by double digits, you know. I'm sorry, talk is Pitt. I know you're in here. I'm not trying to trash talk, but that's just how confident I feel I don't see us losing the pit two years in a row, personally. I just don't see it happening. 
Uh, you know, I agree. I think that uh, West Virginia will beat uh, Penn Pitt this year pretty handily. Now, I think Penn State will beat us pretty handily, but I think I think I we can take care of of uh, a Pitt this year. Now we get into the uh, the conference schedule. Well, first off, let me ask you this: How do you feel? Because West Virginia has always done this, and a lot of people are giving us credit now that haven't given us credit in the past for scheduling eleven Power Fives. How do you feel about eleven Power Fives? Well, I think in hindsight, it was definitely a mistake, you know, looking at it now in the past, but I mean, in the future, you know, looking back, but I think that, you know, at the time, because that was when, you know, the playoffs were coming in and that was when they were trying to say what the criteria was going to be. So they were saying, you know, it's going to be based on strength of schedule. So I think West Virginia, you know, hoping to, you know, be able to eventually factor into that mix, said we're going to play the toughest schedule we possibly can. We're just going to play one FCS team a year. Our out-of-conference games are going to be power fives other than that. And then, of course, now, in hindsight, when you look at how things have played out over the past few years, that's really not the case. So they could have gotten away with, I think, playing, you know, two FCS in their out-of-conference. And I think, you know, looking back, they probably would have done that. I think in the future, you'll see here in the next few years, the schedule will lighten up slightly. You don't need to play two power fives, maybe play an FCS in a group of five and a power five in your out of conference, uh, depending on how it looks moving forward as the Big 12 expands. So I think personally, while initially it was it was a good idea for West Virginia just trying to improve their resume in terms of, you know, if you're trying to reach the playoffs, et cetera, look good for the, the polls and the committee, they had good intentions going in. But I think now in hindsight, it certainly was a mistake. West Virginia is one of the only teams over the past couple of seasons that's played 11 Power Fives. And especially when we've been trying to rebuild throughout this Neil Brown era, it's really hurt us in that aspect. So hopefully this year they're able to turn a corner and win a couple of those power five games at least. We'll see what happens. Yeah, because we've got some uh we've got some big games coming up in the future. And I mean they're 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 pretty far down the road. But twenty twenty six uh and twenty seven we've got home and home scheduled with Alabama and uh, or is that twenty seven, twenty eight? I may be wrong on the dates on the years, but you know, that's still an Alabama, an Alabama team that's going to be coming up here in a few years. And we still got Penn State to tackle this year and next year and Pitt a couple more years as well. So, all right, so let's get into the conference. And I'm not going to talk about every game, but I will ask you this. Um, I do want to talk about Houston because Dana Holgerson, you know, wanted a contract extension at West Virginia. And West Virginia told him to pound, pound pavement, you know, and then and he did, right? He bettered himself. He went to Houston for more money, so he bettered himself, bigger city, uh, hotter recruiting ground, right? And he hasn't done very much in Houston since he's been there, um, basically like he did at West Virginia. You know, he was there, great figure, great great offensive mind, terrible head coach. Now, what do you see this year, West Virginia traveling to Houston, which I think was a big scheduling mistake, mistake on behalf of the Big 12. First year, they should have brought Dana back to Morgantown for year one. I mean, that would have been such yep. a huge game and, and stuff, you know, and, and a lot of eyeballs on that game. But, no, we're traveling to Houston. What are you seeing in that game? And um, West Virginia beats Houston no matter what, I, I, I believe. But if what? Well, I think if you just, you know, can slow down that offense. We know Dayton is offensive-minded. I think that's the main thing is just trying to slow down that offense, you know, keep them under about 30 points, and you got a good chance. They're probably going to make some mistakes. You know, we've seen Dana be turnover-prone and make some mistakes in the past, et cetera. But I definitely want to say I certainly agree with you. 
having that game, you know, not being Morgantown with their first year in the Big 12, definitely a mistake because, you know, I worry now that Dana's not going to make it through another season. We're not going to get to see him come back to Morgantown. That's that's yeah. what I'm hoping, you know, doesn't happen. But that certainly would have been, you know, much better TV numbers, you know, ticket sales, et cetera, if it, that game would have came to Morgantown. But I think Houston's replacing a ton and, you know, just knowing Dana from his time at WVU, that doesn't bode well for Houston uh, just because of the fact that Dana's kind of a guy that builds his team year to year. Having said that, though, he certainly is now in a better environment college football-wise that kind of tends to his uh, needs and his style a little bit more with the transfer portal, et cetera. He's probably been able to, you know, really bring in some decent guys. I know he has, you know, four or five former West Virginia players on the roster, which is kind of funny uh, considering that he said you couldn't win with West Virginia talent, but right. that's a whole different uh, discussion there, I guess. But I think West Virginia will beat Houston, like you said, and I think if the main thing is just kind of limiting that offense because despite the fact that they've got a lot of turnover, the one thing that we've seen uh, Dana Holgerson produce is successful offenses despite, you know, lack of wins at times that you, when you really needed them. Uh, but I think that uh, hopefully, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I think there's going to be motivating factors for both sides. I think that Dana Holgerson probably, you know, knowing him as, as much as we do from the outside looking in, that he's probably going to have that game circled as well. So with it being a night game on a Thursday, who knows how it's going to turn out. I'm, I'm pretty confident in the Mountaineers, though, as you said, that they'll come out on top of that one. I'm, I'm pretty confident, honestly, that the Mountaineers are going to, in most of their uh, games with these new incoming opponents, just because seeing West Virginia transition to the Big 12, we knew how hard that was and how many years it kind of took us to adapt to the depth, you know, style of play, et cetera. So I think, you know, some of these other teams, despite how successful they've been in recent years, when you look at like UCF and Cincinnati, I think that they're kind of going to be in for, you know, a new awakening coming to the mm -hmm. Big 12. So I like West Virginia's chances against most of those teams, especially Houston and BYU, though. Yeah, I agree. So we get to play. We get to play the four newcomers this year. Um, I think West Virginia is the only team in the Big Twelve that plays all four of them. I think so. Uh, so so we've got BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Of all those of those four teams, the only one that I remotely worry about is UCF. Cincinnati's got a new coach, you know, um, a new talent roster. You know, BYU's just now uh, picking up a new roster pretty much itself. Houston, same way. UCF, though, they're pretty established. They're ready to go. And so I, that's the team I worry about. <coughs> Excuse I me. So, so I think UCF can make some noise in the Big 12 this year. Are they going to win it? No. But I think they could finish, uh, you know, fourth or fifth in the Big 12 somewhere in their, their first year in. Now, I don't think that's sustainable right now with their roster, but I think right now this year coming in, it should be a pretty good one for them. Now, um, one more final thing for you before before we before we get out of here. I got to ask you. Everything's said and done. End of the year. All the games are under the belt. What's West Virginia's record? Oh, you put me on the spot with that one. I don't know. I don't know if I can call it call it right now without you know knowing you know we may have to have you know another two or three transfer portal additions i want to see how things shake out closer to fall camp and of course we always do a, a season prediction round table to kick off our new season of the podcast which will be season six and that'll be coming up in august and we'll go through it you know kind of game by game and give our predictions break it down there um, and see how that goes but you know just right now off the top of my head 
I know that the line I've seen, I think from, you know, uh, DraftKings was at four and a half. I would certainly hammer the over on that. I can give you that for sure. I think that West Virginia has a great chance to get back to a bowl game this year. I think that that's at minimum that that I'm looking at a six-win team right now. I think they're kind of flying under the radar. And, you know, rightfully so. I understand the doubts that are coming in from, you know, both Mountaineer Nation and outsiders as well. But I think the four-and-a-half win mark that I've seen is certainly a little bit low. Um, I would expect six wins from this team at least probably. We'll see what happens though. I kind of agree with you. I kind of, I kind of agree. I, I, I'm definitely going to uh, pound the over on the four and a half. Uh, but that being said, I did that last year as well, and then uh, it did not work out. So you know, but I, but I will. I am going to pound it again this year. I really believe uh, because we're going to beat Pitt, and we should have beat Pitt last year, and, and that would have taken our that would have taken us to our over. Yeah. So um, you know, I think we'll beat Pitt this year. Shouldn't be no problem there. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of teams that are rebuilding in the Big 12. I know uh, Sonny Dice is a great coach and everything, but I also know TCU is going to lose a lot. I know Joey McGuire at Texas Tech is an awesome coach, and I know he's been recruiting some talent. I don't necessarily see a win in that game. But, but you know, West Virginia's got the four newcomers, and and I I know we can, we can win three of those games. And so if you figure uh, TCU – the three newcomers and, and, and beating Pitt, that's five that's five wins. Right. And and that's that's the over. Right. And and I think that's pretty I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty easy to do. Now can we get that sixth win in there? I think so. I think we've got the team to do it. Uh if nothing else, we'll pound them out on the ground. Um yeah. so and, but defense is a scare. But like I say, I want to bring you back another week, and we're going to break down the defense just like we did the offense tonight. Great to me. I want to get your I want to get your your point of view on all of that. But uh, I think for tonight, we'll wrap this show up, and I'm going to let everybody know one more time. This is Jordan Cruz. Got a great show called Country Roads Country Roads Webcast and also Country Roads Podcast. Country Road Webcast right here on YouTube. Be sure and go over and sub him up, man. This guy, well, he's got a couple of partners with him, uh, Stephen and and uh, Brandon, and, and they, they have an awesome show. They do a great job over there at Country Roads webcast so be sure and sub those up for us and stuff and uh hey tell them where to find you on twitter i, I know you you're on twitter and, and stuff as well right yeah yeah absolutely yeah thank you joey yeah on uh twitter we're at wvu country roads and then you can find us on facebook and instagram of course just country roads webcast on both of those but definitely you know check us out on social media that's where we're you know announcing when we drop the podcast episodes new videos etc and of course, those are coming uh, pretty steadily here throughout the offseason, updating the WVU football roster and trying to do a little bit of basketball as well. And then uh, WVU baseball has been running hot, so trying to update that a little bit as well. Just any West Virginia sports content, we can uh, kind of provide updates on there. We'll try and do that. So uh, check us out on social media, WVU Country Roads on Twitter, uh, and then just Country Roads webcast on Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, as Joey said, subscribe to us on youtube we're getting close to that uh thousand subscriber mark trying to push over that hump there just about you know 60 subscribers away or so i think now so um any help we get with that that'd be awesome uh, a lot of wv sports content if you're a west virginia fan i'm sure you'll love it and then if you're into more long form content um we release the podcast episodes visually there on youtube but if you like to listen to just the audio version i know some people listen to podcasts at work on the road etc myself included so like joey said you can find us on any of those podcast platforms google podcasts apple podcasts spotify 
iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, you name it. Just uh, search Country Roads Webcast, subscribe to us there, and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. And, Joey, looking forward to coming back and uh, talking about that Mountaineer defense because I know we need that to improve this upcoming season. So, uh, Dana Dana has joined us and says, Joey, I'll take you out for <laughs> Texas barbecue after I drop 50 on you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thank you, Dana. I'll pass. <laughs> uh, listen, guys, we appreciate all of you being in here. Uh, Jordan, stick around in the back room with me for just a second. But, uh, uh, but, but we appreciate everybody being here. If you are on the Voice of College Football main channel, hey, stay here. Stay on the West Virginia, or not on the West Virginia, on the Voice of College Football main channel. We've got another show that's going to follow this one coming up um, and got some great guests over there. They're going to be talking about um, AAU, uh, Notre Dame, Miami, and all those teams getting AAU. So I'm um, going to have a great show for you there. Appreciate everybody tonight. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jordan, our guests, for coming in with us. We will see everybody next Friday night, 8 o'clock on the dot. Thank you for being here. Y'all have a great night.